You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 24. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for joining me for another episode of How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany and I am your host. And if you are a regular listener, you can probably hear that my voice is a little bit raspy and I'm going to tell you why in a second. But the long short of it is I have had uh, an amazing weekend celebrating the fifth year reunion for my law school graduating class, which is crazy to say. But, um, you know, that meant a lot of talking over music and fun conversations with drinks and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, that's why my voice is a little raspy. So bear with me. So before we get into the show, I just want to share that um, the show notes for this week's episode will be available at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com slash 24. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at howdoes underscore she do it. And the show is now available on the Google Play Music app or store. I don't have an Android, so I'm not exactly familiar with how it uh, is categorized on the phone. But basically, if you go to Google Play Music and you search for How Does She Do It, you will be able to listen to the podcast there directly from um, and and download it onto your your Android phone. You can also still use Acast, which you can also go uh, access as an app if you download it on your phone or go to the website and listen to it that way. And Stitcher is still a another place that the podcast is is posted. And when you can when you go to how does she do it pod, how does she do it podcast.com, you can actually listen to the show directly from the website. There's a player built into the show notes so you can just go there and click it so you can sit at your desktop and listen to it. You can do it on your phone, although you wouldn't need to do it on your phone necessarily because you have both the podcast app, the Google Play Music app, Acast, Stitcher. I have not uploaded a new episode to SoundCloud since episode 17. So my apologize to my apologies to people who use SoundCloud. But if you are on SoundCloud, if you want to use kind of a browser based model, you can also go um, straight to the website. If you want to, you should actually not even if you want to, you should do it because I asked you to do nicely um, to like the show on like the show's page on Facebook. And that is if you go to facebook.com slash how does she do it podcast and you can just uh, like the show there. I put posts up there. I put articles up there that I don't necessarily um, that I come across during the week. And I put other um, kind of quotes and things like that up there. And um, I do the same thing on Twitter and on Instagram. If you have questions, comments, thoughts that you would like me to address on the show, you can email Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com and I will answer your questions during the hashtag AskTiff segment or I will cover the topic you suggest either generally on the show or um, during the Just My Thoughts segment. And before we get into the Just My Thoughts segment, I just want to say thank you in advance for your ratings and reviews. I will be reading another review at the end of this show 
And I will put more explicit directions on how to leave a review, particularly if you're using an iPhone, using the podcast app. It is not intuitive. You have to search for the podcast as though it is a new, as though you're not subscribed to it, which is annoying. And hopefully they will address that in hopefully future updates of the podcast app and kind of platform. But basically, if you go into the podcast app, you leave a review, uh, you search for how does she do it, and you can leave a review that way. But um, if you've done so already, I thank you. And hopefully, if you haven't, you will do so in the near future. So let's get on with the show. So I have been absent for a few weeks and it is not because I don't love you all and I don't love podcasting, but again, things have been, things have been quite busy and I will reveal more of these things as the, as the, as time goes on because now is not the right time. But that being said, you know, there's always something happening. There's always something going on, especially, um, just pop culture and whatever. So of course, in the time that I have not recorded, Beyonce, you know, does what Beyonce has started to do as of late and just drops bombs on people and the world um, with no notice or no real like advanced preparation. So she dropped this album, this visual album called Lemonade. And when I first heard the name, I was like, is that a real name for this? Like, what is that? What does that mean? But then once you see the visual piece that is about uh, runs a little under an hour that she aired on HBO, right? So this is like a like a legit production. So before I had gotten a chance to watch it, like it, it had actually I think first come out on title, and there was all this like conversation about it, and there, you know people had already started to write like extensive and analytical articles about it, and you know I was like, well, okay. So in order for me to actually, I had already read some of the reviews and some of the, the opinions about it. And so I was, before I wanted, before I got further away from being able to formulate my own opinion, I did download the album. I did pay for it. I don't want to say I'm not proud of that, but you know, I like to, I like to know what's going on and I like to be able to, if I'm going to have an opinion about something, my opinion as best as I can is not going to be secondhand. It's going to be something that I saw myself and that I watched myself. And as I say that, I re- I'm remembering the White House Correspondents' Dinner and I will, I will talk about that. But so we're talking about Lemonade now. And, um, I have to say that it is the visual piece of it the visual side of it because there you know there is the there is the actual the actual songs that go with it but she did an, an entire like a, a very serious production and admittedly a lot of what i had read about if i didn't read about some of the symbolism and some of the people who were featured in the film and some of the meaning behind some of the things or the you know the believed meaning behind some of the visuals and some of the you know her dropping into water from top of a building and you know the symbolism of rebirth and all that kind of stuff then i would have missed some of it i would have missed a lot of it but that being said i think that this is a very it is a piece of art a piece of work that deserves to be recognized for the complexity, for the thought. It is a very powerful story and conveying of emotions related to 
relationships related to the uh, feelings of like when there's infidelity involved, self-esteem, um, you know, love, spirituality, um, faith, friendship, support, community around for black women. I believe that it was exclusively black women in the production with the exception of images of Beyonce's father and Jay-Z towards the towards the latter piece. And I could be mistaken it because I watched it a few weeks ago or I watched it a little bit after it came out and I haven't watched it again since. So if my memory is failing me, someone please tweet me and let me know. You can tweet me at how does underscore she do it or at Tiff South. That's Tiff with two Fs. Anyway. So as I was watching it for the first time, I was trying to make, I was kind of doing some things around the house at the same time, but I took note of some of the lyrics that I thought were really, really powerful. And, uh, and I don't know where these, what songs these are associated with, because basically the video is almost broken. It's like broken down into chapters, but it's broken down by song. So as one scene kind of ends, you see the name of the next song, the next track coming in, and there's another kind of new visual associated with it, but it all blended. It was, it was very like, it was a lot, a lot of things were happening. She was at one point like driving a monster truck. I think that looked crazy because it was obvious that she was not really driving this monster truck. So that looked, I think it looked a little stupid, but at one point, she had a, a a bat that was named hot sauce. So now people are like, oh, so Beyonce wasn't talking about actually carrying hot sauce in her purse. She was talking about, you know, a bat named hot sauce and all, you know, these little things. She was, um, you know, in the forest. She was walking into water when she was, and she was like rope, like connected by rope to other women. And she was standing on the porch of this, like so many things. But one of the, some, I'm going to just give you some lines that stuck with me from listening to the, um, from both watching and listening to Lemonade. And one thing that was said was, I think of lovers as trees growing to and from one another, searching for the same light. Why can't you see me? Everyone else can. And there's a, some, there's a poet who wrote poetry, I think connected, like, I, I feel like I'm not even doing this justice, but anyway, um, there was there's one song where she asks a series of questions and where she says, do his eyes close like doors? Are you a slave to the back of his head? Am I talking about your husband or your father? And I think, and as I'm saying these out loud, I'm not, rem I cannot remember if these were, this was the kind of the poetry that was weaving through the entire, um, the entire, I guess, movie. Um, or like video production, or if this was some of the lyrics from her song. So hopefully I'm not giving credit to Beyonce where she, these are not her words, but either way it was associated with the entire work. And I think that what was, as you see, you the, the entire piece carries you through the emotional kind of journey of a woman who has been wronged by in her relationship. And at the very end, the last scene in the last song is, it almost is like redemption happens where you see images of her and Jay-Z and Blue Ivy, and it's like they're coming together and they're, you can see their love, you see their affection for each other. So there's all this conjecture and rumor about whether you know this was related to Jay-Z's rumored relationship or fling with, uh, with, a, um, with a designer named Rachel Roy, who I think used to be, married to Damon Dash all anyway all these things so that said I think Beyonce has has set herself apart in another way by creating this piece of work and whether you are a Beyonce fan or not I think that it is worth watching because I think as as a, as black women 
there was a lot in there for us related to our sense of self and loving ourselves and being empowered and taking control of your own feelings, taking control of the way that you respond to things when they happen to you, which I think is a very important message. And, um, you know, there were women of all um, colors, all shapes. There were, I have seen pieces about how there were not enough, not enough full-figured women represented in the video. That's not something I have an opinion on, but that's just something, a critique I saw. Either way, um, when it got to the very end, I was watching the credits and the cr the number of credits for this were like, were legitimately like you were watching a two hour movie in a movie theater. So I will say much respect to the, where she is, what she has done by doing something that has not been done in the way that she did it here. I think that that deserves a lot of respect and honor. I have not listened to Lemonade, the album by itself, Again, since that first time I listened to it, can't say that it's a jam to me yet, but I will give it another listen. But I encourage you to check it out and just see what your thoughts are, because I know that there's a lot of opinion that other people have already put out there. So just formulate your own if you choose to do so. The next thing I want to talk about is the is West Point. And if you haven't heard by now, there were 16 black women cadets who were new, newly to be graduated from West Point um, and the military academy. And they took a picture. So apparently there's some tradition of taking a certain type of picture at the academy in this you know particular space. And these women, in one of these pictures, they took a series of pictures, but the picture that surfaced was a picture of them holding up their fists. And if you are black or if you've seen ever seen a picture of from the 19, like just to give you a visual, the 1968 Olympics, there was uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos pictured holding their fists at the Olympic podium. Now, to be clear, the image of those two men in 1968 and the image of these women at West Point, what Basically what happened was the administrators at West Point, they opened an investigation to determine if the women violated army rules that prohibited, quote, political activities while in uniform. So the, the belief or the fear was that these young women, by raising their fists in the air, were making a political statement and really basically were they supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. So... I have several, several issues with this characterization of, and this, this kind of fear that came as a result of these women raising their fists in the air. Because number one, I don't know very many black people who, if you see a fist in the air, if you are, if the assumption is that you're making a political statement or rather are you making an assertion of a, of a pride in your people, when I see a raised fist, I think pride. I think black pride. I don't think what was seems to have been the fear of these West Point people that these women are, are associating themselves with the Black Lives Matter movement, which shouldn't be a fear, by the way, but that's another topic for another day. So anyway, in thinking of in coming across the story, and this happened 
um, late in April. So it, several weeks have passed. The investigation happened. The women were cleared of any wrongdoing. There was no violation found, which again is like it goes very far. But Guardian just wrote an article. There was an article in, on the Guardian rather um, about this situation, and the 16 women who were fe featured in that picture um, were not interviewed, have not been interviewed. They have not spoken about the situation, but the, there have been interviews conducted, um, with other black women graduates from West Point. And I think there are a little bit over maybe 350 something, um, black women who have graduated from West Point in its 114 year history. So just some food for thought, just something to think about. So in, in some of the things that the, that black women graduates from West Point have said and this is one quote that I read, to be a black woman at West Point is essentially to make a choice going in, that the majority of the time you can never fully express your womanhood or blackness. And it goes, she goes on to say, we are told to all, we are told we're all green. We don't ever talk about it because it's hard enough for everyone at West Point to graduate. And then if you don't know anything about West Point, the academic rigor and the amount, the the, the intelligence and the level, that to, it's extremely competitive um, to get in generally. So I imagine only to graduate, it's a military academy. So you just think about the number, the complexity and the challenge of just being there alone. Then add on the fact that you are a woman. Then add on the fact that you're a black woman in, a, in what is a very white male space, much like a lot of the elite places in this in this country. So the chief diversity officer uh, noted that the culture of West Point is not one that focuses on individuality because, as they said, you are raising soldiers. And so the value is about operating um, as the military and they're focusing people to think as one team. That being said, okay, I can understand that. It's very important that people have a certain type of identity with the um, with if they're in the armed forces and that they're working as a team, they're working as a unit, their lives on the line, all those kinds of things. What was more challenging for me as I read more about some of the, the feelings and the experience of the black women who have been and who attended and graduated from West Point, one woman said, quote, there were times that we would sit at a table and if there were more than two or three African-Americans, it was a problem. People would come over and ask, what are you guys doing? And to me... That goes beyond what the diversity cult, diversity officer is mentioning as an idea of, of not focusing on individuality. Because if the if the environment is all is vast majority white, that means there are going to be places where there are only white people sitting. It only becomes weird and it only becomes uncomfortable when people of color group together and there are no white people in in the midst. That's what then people get, people notice. But no one notices if there's a table of 15 white men that there are no black people at that table. But if there's a table of 15 black people, everyone's, people get concerned. And that's what it sounds like is some, some of the things that was hap that's happening or that happens here. I know that that's been ex the experience that I've noticed and think about and I'm conscious about when I'm in a, in a space where there are very few black people and I'm only, and I'm gravitating to the black people. I am mindful of the fact that people will perceive us as, as sticking together, so to speak, which shouldn't be a bad thing, considering that by existing in a majority space, there are going to be large numbers of majority people who are together and no one says anything about that. 
So in thinking about the idea that these women would raise their fist in a picture and, and the fear immediately is that, oh my goodness, something bad is happening. They're, look at them, con they're congregating together. They're making a statement about something. Or could it just be as simple as the, the fact that they are proud of themselves and proud of their blackness and proud to say, I'm going to raise my fist in the air to be supportive and be proud of myself. Instead, it goes all the way as far as to support a quote unquote political movement. With the same woman who was interviewed for the, for the story, um, she mentioned that you raise your fist, she said at the very end of the article, was the last quote of the article, that you raise your fist as a sign of victory. When you can make it out of a place where you have, I can only imagine some of the things that they experience, and not just because, not because of them being black women, but just the victory that it takes to graduate from an, an institution like West Point, that victory, and then you come to this point, and then to have your name and have, your, have yourself, have you and your friends questioned because of you making a statement. Maybe that maybe that picture wasn't the best. Maybe they didn't exercise the best judgment in making that picture. But that shouldn't be something that has that deserves or warrants an investigation. And it just sell. It just it's. I think it's it's representative of the times that we are living in. And um, it's just it's just very sad that it had to come that it came to that. I'm glad that of course that there was no wrongdoing found because they weren't doing anything wrong. Um, and it's not a and this is not a disrespect to the the understanding and importance of military, the importance of, mil of, of people in the military having one mind and thinking as one unit and focusing on a very common goal and not be, and being and operating in uniform and in tandem. But when you are, when you are not of that standard, when you are a minority, you are already not like the standard. And so to then further say, you have to suppress even more who you are because who you are is not like everybody else here. That's obvious. And then you just have to go for it. It's just almost like insult to injury. So I am proud of these women for graduating from this institution. There's also another story where there were, I think, eight black women who graduated with PhDs from a school, from it might be Indiana University. And I think most of them were education, um, PhDs related to education. And it's just like you, just congratulations and congratulations to all of the graduates of the class of 2016, graduating no matter what you're graduating with, whether it's a high school diploma or a PhD, you have made it to a milestone and it is the beginning of a new chapter. And um, I wish you all the best of luck. But before I get into the episode, um, there was another incident that happened in in Delaware where a young woman, a teenager, lost her life as a result of she was in a fight in a bathroom. And I think the ultimate cause of death was that she had a cardiac event that caused her to, I think she had like, sounds like, like, like a heart attack for lack of, um, you know, medical understanding. And there were three girls were charged. One of them was charged as an adult. And I say all that, I say that to say we as women living in this male dominated society have to pour into our younger women. And the fact that in thinking about these women, the alumni and the graduates from West Point who are speaking out in support of what these black women did. And then to think about the fact that there are four lives essentially lost and changed forever as a result of a bathroom fight. And thinking about my role as a black woman, my role as a woman in this country, we have to 
we have to give back and support and love our young girls and tell them that they are beautiful and give them something to look forward to. And we have to love ourselves because we it, it's hard to love other people and inspire other people when you have not done the work to love yourself and you don't believe and truly love yourself. So I think about the message that Lemonade, not, and I don't want to say tangentially, I'm not trying to diminish that, but what, what Beyonce was kind of trying to put forth in Lemonade and thinking about this image of these women from these, from um, West Point and the, and the words of the people who came before them and graduated from from those walls. And then to compare that and to just to see the connection between all of these black women, we have to love our children. We have to love our black girls and we have to continue to show them what it looks like to be successful in all types of forms, in all shapes, and to just, just, just build them up. And I pray that, that the system does not De derail the lives of these young women who have now and rest in peace to the young woman who lost her life and these now the women who are now entering the criminal justice system that at some point someone reaches and holds on to them and makes sure that they are not thrown their lives are not lost and their lives are not forgotten um because that happens too often to our girls as well and so if you can in some way shape or form in this week this month as the year progresses to find a way to pour into a young girl and to tell her that she is great and to give her examples of how excellent she can be. And then that way you have done something that someone hopefully has done for you in the past as you grew up to, grew up to be the woman that you are today. had a birthday recently and as I thought about what I wanted to talk about today it I want to do kind of reflections on the last year of my life and things that I've learned um leading up to turning 31 which is like crazy to say and that might be the last time I say my age out loud so keep up and keep count but um considering that this weekend was my fifth year law school reunion it's been a very uh reflective time, been a time to really think about, you know, where I am and where I've come from. And I started law school in 2008. And that's crazy to say, because that was almost 10 years ago. And when you think about who you were, think about what you were doing in 2008 and where you were in 2008. And I was in such a different headspace. I mean, number one, going into law school and the kind of stress and fear that goes into that is crazy. And so to be able to see my classmates after graduating, five years after graduating, which means it was eight years after starting law school. Is that math right? Yes, it is. <laughs> the math is right. So um, so just the people, that how much growing we have done as individuals is, you know, is, a, is, you know, remarkable on in, in and of itself, but then thinking about where we are professionally. And so I was able to have conversations with a good amount of my classmates. And I just remember, number one, how much I loved my class and how great people they are individually and collectively. There's just like a spirit and a positivity about us. And I will have to say that there was one classmate, one classmate of ours who passed away after we graduated. And, um, and I miss him and I missed him this weekend. And um, I just wanted to just just to say that I was thinking of Brian is his name and I'm thinking of him and thinking of his family. Um, but in 
so being in that space and then also thinking about the, I wanted to share some lessons that I learned in um, that kind of, that 30 taught me basically, and what I have gained since then. But before I get specifically into the lesson, just thinking about just talking with my classmates yesterday where, you know, I have made, I've changed jobs twice since graduating law school. And so people are like, oh, you know, I saw on LinkedIn, you were doing this, but where are you now? What are you doing? And then so that made me, I was like, you know, am I moving around too much? Am I jumping around too much? That was one thing. But to hear people kind of coming into a realization that they are ready to make a transition or hearing people talk about the transition that they just made or hearing people say, you know, I'm thinking about going in this direction, but I'm not really sure. I'm trying to figure it out. And it was the question that I asked everyone, uh, which is a loaded question, but is, you know, you can begin to get to get to it. I was like, well, how, how do you feel about where you are right now? And the follow-up question was, well, are you happy? And those questions and happiness, of course, is a broad thing. And in this very moment, you know, you can be happy and, you know, or you can be annoyed by any number of things. But I asked those questions because those are the questions that I ask myself regularly. Like, what about this moment that I'm in? Am I enjoying? And is it this moment that I'm in that I'm not enjoying or am enjoying? Or is it the overall picture, right? Is it the career trajectory? Is it the job that I'm in? Is it the place that I'm working in? Or do I need to be doing something else completely? And so that was me kind of doing, I guess, being putting on my like my coaching hat a little bit while talking to my classmates. But it was just really good to hear the the things that people had to say. And it wasn't just like light, fluffy, you know, oh, everything is great. Life is grand. I've never had any problems. It was real. It was real conversation. And I am particularly it was one story that I talked, one woman that I talked to, one of my classmates who talked about how she made the decision after spending a year thinking about wanting to leave um, the firm that she was working for. And she wanted to go into immigration um, into and, and practice immigration law. And she was met by the feedback that she didn't speak Spanish. And that was a challenge that she needed to overcome. She spent months living in Spain with a Spanish family in order to learn the language so that she could come back here and be ready and be more qualified and differently qualified to do the work that she is passionate about doing. And I told her I was going to talk about her on the podcast because that story and her concern and her care and her desire to change, make herself uncomfortable in order to pursue something that she is very interested and 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 feels called to do is a huge, huge message and a huge lesson for all of us. And I think about how the changes that I've made, that I left, I walked away from, you know, a very cushy, nice salary in order to do something in or, and, and, and became uncomfortable in order to do something that I cared more about and I felt more driven and directed to. And so when you come to the point, and what, and I, what I said to her was, when I left my when I left practice initially, people some people mentioned to me that I had so much courage to do that. And courage wasn't what I was thinking about. Courage wasn't what I was doing it for. And I shared that with her because it's not something when you're taking that step off of the, you know, off the cliff, you're not thinking about how much courage you have. You're thinking about the the jump that you're about to take. And what I've also I've also learned that courage is the feeling you get after you've done something scary. Courage is the feeling you get after you've taken that risk. And when you take one risk, you now know, oh, I'm not going to die. Oh, the sky is not going to fall. Now I can take another risk. And so you kind of build up a, a, like almost like a courage muscle, so to speak. But 
I'm just very proud and was really proud to be a member uh, uh, of the class of 2011 from my law school, proud to have been uh, able to participate in, in the reunion activities this year, and really and really blessed to be connected to such a really dynamic group of people. And um, I just wish everyone the best. I mentioned, you know, it's a lot of them mentioned that they listened to the podcast, which was really, really cool to hear, and um, just really humbling to know that people find value, again, in the, the things that I am sharing with you all. And so it means a lot to me. If you're a member of the class 2011, shout out to you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for your support. Thank you all for your support. And so moving on from the reunion to talk about the things that 30 taught me. So the last year has come with a lot of change. Um, around this time last year, I had already made the decision to, I may have actually already announced that I was going to be leaving my job at the law school in order to come back into the private sector to work at the law firm. And um, I had just turned 30. My birthday fell on Mother's Day this year, which is always really fun for my mom. Um, wasn't as annoying logistically this year as it, as it has been in the past. It used to give me a lot more anxiety than it did this year. But um, it was, so yeah, so I changed jobs. I turned 30. I went from not being from being in a relationship to not being in a relationship in the last year. Um, I am, you know, I'm in a really different place and I'm in a really good headspace, I will say. And um, I feel differently confident about myself than I've ever felt. And if you have I've talked about this on past episodes before, but I talked about it significantly in, you know, in my, in my Ted talk, but I have come and I think all of us come, come, a look, come from different journeys as far as our self-confidence and what we believe about ourselves and what we believe, um, about our capability and, you know, our beauty and our sense of worth and sense of value. And for me, as I, as I'm getting older, I'm feeling, I'm believing in myself more in a way and believing in my beauty and believing in my, the things that I have to offer in a way that I have not done before. And it almost is a little uncomfortable. It's almost like, wait, like, what is this? Is this, it's like, I'm worried about becoming arrogant, even though I don't, I know that that's not really what, that's not the spirit of what I'm feeling. But as you get more comfortable in your own skin, if it's not a place that you've been before, it's uncomfortable getting more comfortable in your own skin, if that makes sense. So so I'm just gonna share very briefly the, well, not very briefly, but the some of the, the things that I've learned in the last year. And, and these are lessons that I think, if you go back to the first episode, there were lessons that I learned in my 20s. And I think there will be themes that are connected and similar and maybe even repeats. But the first lesson, that I learned uh, is that faith is necessary and it requires work. One of the things that I that I think is the most note is one of the most notable things about the last year of my life is my increasing faith and desire to build my relationship with God. And I have taken very deliberate steps in that direction as far as reading devotion every morning using this app called the First Five app. If you don't have it, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. If you are interested in finding a devotion that actually helps you really study the word, this app is phenomenal. And I am blessed to have a group of friends who engage in this study with me and we grapple and we go back and forth in these group me messages that are sometimes, you know, that go on for hours about this point of scripture or this point of faith or this discussion, this philosophical discussion. But for me, it has become something that has been very... That's what happens when you record with an open window. The truck just scared me. 
it actually really scared me a lot. It gave me a moment. <laughs> so it becomes this, it, it just has become a very important part of my life. And so what I, what I, like I said, faith, as you move forward for me, faith is very, is necessary and it takes work. It's not something that is just, you wake up one morning, you have faith, but you have to remind yourself, you have to get, dig deep and go back to the word and go back to faith and go back to people who will um, reinforce and support you in the doubts that you might be having or the concerns that you might be having. The second thing that I've learned in the last year that 30 has taught me is that you have to spend time loving yourself. And that means physically, emotionally, spiritually, like taking time to take care of yourself. Not just saying, oh, I love me. I'm so great. I'm so pretty. But doing things daily that demonstrate that self-love. So and this might not necessarily be so much self-love as it is your body um, treating you differently than it used to. But I know my body does not like certain foods the way that it used to. My mind loves those foods still. But my body is like, you know, mm, you should probably shouldn't eat that Chinese food anymore. And I'm actually scared to eat Chinese food now because of, you know, a situation that happened a couple weeks ago. So take time to find ways to actually take care of yourself because this body we only get one, right? As we're getting older, things are starting to change. And I know there are people who might be older than me listening to this podcast and like, girl, you're still so young, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that is true. However, I people often ask me, which sometimes annoys me, but it's like, why do you spend so much time working out? Like you look great, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I appreciate the compliment, but I'm, I'm working out now for the way I want to feel 20 years from now. And you can't take this, these things for granted. You can't take your mental health for granted. You can't take your physical health, your spiritual health, your emotional health for granted. And in order to not take it for granted, you have to take time every day to do something that is forwarding your health in some way, if that means praying, if that means working out, if that means making good decisions about food, meal by meal. Because trust me, I, this last week has been terrible as far as my diet and my eating is concerned. But you know, you give yourself those that leeway, but then you kind of reset and say, okay, here's what I'm going to do for breakfast. I'm going to do this and make just make those day-to-day -day decisions, but spend time loving yourself. The third thing that 30 taught me is that you have to plan with flexibility. And when I say that, I mean that's, that is about your career, that is about your finances, that is about your like phys actual plans that you do things, because life is not, I believed coming into law school and even to an extent coming out of law school right away, that life was like this plan that I could walk from, I could know how things were going to progress. And life don't work like that. Like you do not wake up one day and, and things just kind of fall into place. And so it's important that you have a plan. It's important that you set expectations. It's important that you set goals, but you also have to be flexible in those things because as life changes, as we have new experiences, as we go to different phases in our lives and people come and people go, 
then so too do your your values change. So too do the things that matter to you. The things that are um, that you were focused on at one point might not be the things that you're most that are most important to you now because you've grown, because you've changed. And so you have to plan, but you have to be flexible with that plan. And something that a mentor said to me um, several years ago when I was still in law school is that you're always preparing. This is about career specifically, but he said that you're always preparing for your next job, even when you're not looking for it. And so as you're thinking about, and you can expound that to just general opportunities for things that matter to you, you're always preparing for that next thing to come, even when you can't identify what it is, but just make sure that you're always working to be better and that you're planning to be deliberate about the the things you want to learn and the experiences that you want to have, but being flexible about the way that those opportunities are going to present themselves. The fourth thing that I learned is that you cannot control your life but you can definitely control your response to the things that happen to you. And that doesn't require a lot of explanation, but basically like you can decide if you want to be stank or you want to have a positive attitude. You can't control the fact that you got rained on and a car drove past and splashed water all over you and you know you, your refrigerator broke and you can't control those things, but how you respond is a is a choice that you make. And the what I'm finding is the more When you choose to see the best and look for the best in a situation, it's not to say that the situation is good, but if you look for the lesson, if you look for the blessing in all types of situations, you choose to find those things, then your outlook is different. Your approach is different. What you receive from that experience will be different. And then therefore what you can move forward and the way you move forward from that experience will be different based on how you perceived it and responded to it. The fifth thing that I learned is... That self-awareness is, again, is extremely important. And I can't say that enough. And I keep and I keep emphasizing that point, and it will come up time and time again in the things that I think are important for women and people and all of us to learn and to know, because there are people who think that they're self-aware, and there are people who are not who know, who are just not self-aware and have no, no idea. And there are people who are not quite doing it right. And you just have to spend self-awareness is important because it makes you accountable really to yourself above above before anybody else. And when you're when you're truly self-aware, when you're truly paying attention, you are concerned about your own thoughts and feelings. And you're concerned about how your own thoughts and feelings impact the world around you. And so just continue to, to grow and to pay attention to the way that you're moving and existing and feeling in, in this world on a day-to-day basis. The sixth thing that 30 taught me it taught me to invest in meaningful relationships and and it just reinforced the importance of that and that those relationships are professional both friendships they're uh, boo relationships as well um, because we don't we're not meant to live and operate in isolation and investing in relationships doesn't mean that every person that you come into that you come into contact with is someone who you should pour into and, and devote your time and energy to nor does it mean that that person is meant to stay just because they've come across your path but spend time honoring and dedicating time and energy to those people who do matter to you or to those people who you want to matter to you in, in your life going forward and don't and don't give to those relationships and invest in those relationships for the sake of getting something out of it. Ded- dedicate time and invest in those relationships for the sake of the relationship alone. That's it. Because 
I have I have gained such a wide open, like a eyes wide open appreciation for my friends and for how much they are down for me and for my success and my care and my like they're just like I'm just so so blessed and I pray that you take the energy and the time to invest and 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 let those people know how much they mean to you like if it's just a random text message you know what I really really appreciate you just had a conversation uh, last week with one of my friends who she and I have had a, we've known each other for a very very long time but our relationship has kind of hit uh, kind of lull for you know the last couple years but we we spent, we were on the phone for almost two hours and I said, I was like, you know, I really miss you. And, um, and so in those instances, if there's someone who, you know, you need to dedicate more time to, you just want to just invest in those relationships because when people are gone, you can't tell them how much they meant to you. So invest in those relationships now, devote time and energy to people who, um, matter to you and people who deserve your time and energy. And you will receive blessings from that and dividends from that in a way that you won't be able to tan to tangibly kind of quantify, but you'll still gain something from it. And the last thing that 30 has taught me is that it's important for us to focus on what we have been tasked and gifted with. I I spend a lot of my time looking at what other people have and what other people, you know, what I want that other people have. So, oh, this person has this great X and this person has this and that, but I don't have that. And that's not my business, right? What that person has, what she has that's her, that's her, that, that's her blessing, right? That's what she has worked for. That is what God has gifted her with. That is where she is right now. I don't know the story. I don't know the challenges that got that person, all those things, but it's not my job to worry about what she has going on. It's also not my job to hate on her either. So that's something else. Like just like, just you see it and you let that person have that thing, but focus on what you have going on right in front of you. Because each of us has, has something on our own plate and it's important to concentrate on what we have been given and then what we also have to offer the world. The pastor said something today in church and he basically was just like, you can't, when you spend your energy looking all around and worrying about what everybody else has going on, first of all, you take your sight off of your faith. You take your sight off of your relationship with God because you're too busy looking to the left and looking to the right. But you also lose sight of what you were given. Like you have a certain set of blessings. We all have a certain set of talents. We have a certain set of gifts. And if you're spending your energy worrying about what everyone else is doing, you are thereby diminishing the importance and the value of the things that you have to contribute to this world and the value and importance of the blessings that you have been given. So focus on, keep your eyes on your own plate. Don't worry about whatever, what other body, what everybody else has going on. Focus on what you have been tasked with and focus on the gifts that you have been given and how you can translate those gifts into what the world has to offer for or into something that you can offer the world because that is what matters, not what everyone else has because that person, they should be doing that for themselves too. She should be focusing on what she has so she can give and, and be excellent and give the world something that God has given her to give to somebody else. So that's what you should focus on. And that is something that I learned. I'm learning actively and continuing to learn and really spending my energy honing and 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 paying attention to 
the things that I am good at and the things that I actually have instead of worrying about how many followers I don't have or instead of worrying about all the things that I don't think that I don't have that I think I should have I have to focus on what I can build and what I do actually already have because I have a lot of great things I have a lot of blessings to be grateful for and I have things to offer that I'm continuing to develop and hone and I'll talk more about those in future episodes um, because I'm really excited about the direction um, and the things that I'm that I'm I'm trying to do because I'm just just trying to just trying to do what I think God has tasked me to do. So focus on what you have, focus on what you've been given, so that you can then give that back to the world. Just a quick recap of the things that Thirty taught me. Number one, faith is necessary and requires work. Number two, spend time loving yourself. Number three, plan with flexibility. Number four, you can't control your life, but you can control your response. Number four, be self-aware and continue to develop and grow your self-awareness. Five, invest in meaningful relationships. And six, focus on what you have been tasked with and gifted with. And I think that about wraps up this 24th episode of How Does She Do It? Thank you again for listening. I know this episode is a bit longer than usual, but I had a lot of things to say. But I want to be sure to leave you with a review. This review, I'm gonna not going to lie, is a little bit long, but I'm going to read it because I appreciate every word of it. And it comes from Susanna Pablo. It says, Inspiration is free. I am delighted to listen to Tiffany as she candidly shares her success stories, setbacks, and life lessons learned. She has an upbeat, charismatic voice, thank you very much, that gives off positive vibes. It is like receiving gentle guidance from a big sister or girlfriend who is well-versed, funny, compassionate, resilient, and purpose-driven. Tiff is passionate and remarkably gifted at encouraging listeners to start where they are and become more self-aware through reflection. My favorite episodes are number eight, I'm too old to do these things. Number 11, you should give yourself these gifts and number 12 bring passion and purpose to work she has a growth mindset and possesses a wealth of knowledge that allows her to speak authoritatively while delivering interesting ideas relevant resources and powerful pointers that inspire you to become a better person inside and out you are you are sure to be uplifted as you enjoy the ride Susanna thank you thank you very very much like I said it is every every comment that I get, every feedback that I hear that may or may not come in the form of a review, it truly means a lot to me. And I am value, I really value your, your feedback. I value your listens. I appreciate that you take the time to listen to me every time you, uh, you know, hit play on one of these episodes. And if you'd like to leave a review, please don't feel free to do so. You can do so on the iTunes store. You can do so on Stitcher or SoundCloud and, um, you know, send me an email to Tiffany at how does she do it podcast.com. If you'd like me to talk about a topic or raise something specific on the show. And until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace.